the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dot com slash commercials. The following program is sponsored Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. We need to watch out that we do not commit the sin of serving God apart from God. The greatest help in the service of God is God acting as a servant to us as we serve Him. It's easily done. The sin of serving God apart from God. In a world of compromise and conformity, the Bible calls us to be radically different. Today on Know the Truth, pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy encourages us to take a firm and unflinching grip on God's truth while raising up young leaders to do the same. Fulfilling our God-given mission requires a commitment to the next generation. We're in a series titled Without Apology, and Philip is presenting a mini-series titled Leadership Development. Listen to all the messages at ktt.org, but first, here's Philip with today's installment. Let's give you a synopsis of where we're at and then jump into the text. Paul has charged his son in the faith to keep the faith. Go back to chapter 1, verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing, that's the gospel or the treasure of truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. So three things if you're taking notes. Number one, I want you to see what I call the distinction Paul emphasizes. The distinction that Paul emphasizes. We're going to begin with the first word. It arrests the attention and it captures the affection of Timothy. Hey, Timothy, you, my son, be strong in the grace that comes through our Lord Jesus Christ, and raise up the next generation after you, as I have indeed raised you up. Paul is singling out Timothy, exhorting him, and emphasizing certain obligations. Timothy, you be different. Be different. Stand out and stand up for Jesus Christ. Resist the prevailing mood of compromise. Fight even alone, the drift away from the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the master and me, his messenger, and the gospel message. That's the challenge, isn't it? Back in chapter 1, verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy was to be a man of conviction in a sea of compromise and consensus. Paul says, don't be conformed, pushed around by the world, squeezed into its mold. 
No. You determine what is that good will of God and do it. Be an emphatic you. Be a fork in the road. You, Timothy, be different. I hope you're not caught up in this apostasy. I hope you're staying true to your convictions in the gospel. I hope you're living out what you profess. And you know what I need you to do, son? I need you to handpick some young men at Ephesus and pour yourself into them and get them ready to carry the torch of the heavenly light unquenched. That's the distinction Paul emphasizes. Secondly, I want you to see the dependence Paul encourages. Let's go back to our text. You, therefore, my son, here's the dependence Paul encourages. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's just called him to be distinctive, to be bold, uncompromising. And before long, he'll be reinforcing that with images. If that's going to happen, Timothy, you're going to have to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to be like a hard-working farmer. Now, this isn't going to come naturally to Timothy, wouldn't you agree? From what we know, he's rather timid by nature. He has a proclivity to be fearful. We saw that in chapter 1. I think it's implied by the thought, God has not given us a spirit of fear. In fact, in chapter 4, I believe, of the first letter, Paul will say, hey, Timothy, you know, let no man despise your youth. He tended to look down as others looked down on him. So by nature, he's timid, and boldness and a standalone, standout commitment to the gospel won't happen naturally for Timothy. I think Paul, by nature, was a bit of a lion heart kind of character, not Timothy. And he would need to be encouraged to do this kind of thing. And then on top of that, guys, he knows what happens when you do what Paul has just encouraged them to do. You might end up in prison like the apostle Paul you know? And we see that. Look at verse 8, where he talks about, hey, Timothy, are you willing to share with me in the sufferings for the gospel? Looking inside and looking outside, there's nothing much to encourage this emphasis on boldness. There's nothing much in Timothy that will produce it, and there's not a lot of encouragement around him that would make it easy. You might as well ask a pig to fly as ask Timothy to be strong. But then go back to verse 8. Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And here he says, Timothy, my son, be strong. You know, he's not saying, hey, Timothy, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, son. Dig deep. No, none of that. This isn't a case of willpower. This is a case of Holy Spirit power. Look at verse 1. Be strong in by means of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Glad to see that that's in the text. Augustine used to pray, Lord, ask what you will, but give what you ask. And Timothy's being asked to be strong, even suffer for the gospel in the midst of the drift that's going on in Asia. But how can he do it? He can do it according to the power of God. That's the dependence Paul encourages. Now, let's look at this verb, be strong. Let me educate you. It's an imperative mood. And if you're in the early stages of grasping Greek, you'll know that that means it's a command. This must happen. This must be you strong. It's also in the passive voice, which means that the subject is being acted upon. 
This is what theologians call the divine passive. The source of strengthening comes from outside Timothy. That's beautiful. It's a passive voice. God will act on you, Timothy, and supply the grace that you need and the strength that is required. See, God isn't replenishing Timothy's strength. Don't get that. It's not like Timothy, you know, I'm going to attempt to be strong, and what I don't have, God will give. No. This is a strengthening that comes completely from outside Timothy. And it's also a present tense verb, which means it's a continual action. Timothy was invited by Paul to become continually strong for spiritual work and warfare. Now, here's how you might want to translate it, and I like this. You, therefore, my son, be empowered. Be empowered through the strength that God will supply to you. Look at verse 14 of chapter 1. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit. So there's a dependence that Paul encourages Paul is not asking Timothy to summons up the strength. As I've said, this is not a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstrap approach to ministry. Listen, guys, the greatest help in the service of God is God acting as a servant to us as we serve Him. I want to say that again. The greatest help in the service of God is God Himself acting as a servant and a help to those that are seeking to advance his kingdom. We need to watch out that we do not commit the sin of serving God apart from God. It's easily done. The sin of serving God apart from God. You see, it's never a case of, Lord, let me do that for you. It's a case of, Lord, will you do that in me that I might do that for you? It's Philippians 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And what does Paul go on to say? So important, guys, for it is God who works in you to will and to do His good pleasure. Anything I do for God, God must do it first in me. And that's why prayer, humility, dependence upon God, spiritual disciplines, the throne of grace, quiet time, call it what you want, is so critical to the servant of God and the service of God. You want to measure a man of God or leader? Measure him from his knees up. Because Paul encourages a dependence here. And that's the theme he will repeat, doesn't he, in a lot of his stuff. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10 is a good example of what we're talking about again. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. It's powerful. Colossians 1, verse 29, similar thought where Paul says, to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Listen, we need to learn this. We need to keep reminding ourselves this. My ministry, your ministry, ought to be a reflex of and a reflection of God's work in us. My ministry for God is a reflex of what he is doing in me. That's the secret to success. Now, a couple of things quickly as we look at this dependence Paul encourages 
and we think about the grace of God, I want you to see the movement, what I call the movement of grace. The movement of grace. The movement of grace is towards weakness. The movement of grace is towards weakness. We've already identified, you know, Timothy in many ways is naturally unqualified to be a leader. More of a sanguine personality, timid, even naturally shy, maybe even introspective, beholding to people's opinions too much. All of that's clear. That's why Paul has to say, hey, you need to stir up the gift that's in you, and you need to not be driven by a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound judgment. But I'm glad to know that God's grace is attracted to the sinful, the weak, the disabled, the defeated, and the needy. Listen to Tony Merida in his commentary in Second Timothy. If you find yourself desperate for strength, you're in a good place. You're a great candidate for grace. You're in the number of those faithful servants in Hebrews 11 who gained strength after being weak. Perhaps you're dealing with wayward children, fatigue, discouragement, betrayal, or illness. My friend, remember that there is a fountain of grace in Jesus. Join the prayer of Jehoshaphat, who confessed in Second Chronicles 20, verse 12, for we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. So if you're looking for strength to endure in the midst of hardship and suffering, look in the right place and to the right person, Jesus. But notice his first words again. If you find yourself desperate for strength, you're in a good place. Didn't Jesus model this in the Gospels? He was attracted to the weak and the needy and the vulnerable and the outcast. Paul experienced this, didn't he, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, where in his infirmities and in his weakness, God proved his sufficient grace. And James argues this. who says, God resists the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. So guys, just notice the movement of grace. Timothy, parenthesis, I know all about your weaknesses and your natural hesitancy. But Timothy, be strong. Be empowered. Let God act upon you, son. Passive voice. Let God strengthen you. That's why D.L. Moody said, didn't he? You cannot be too small for God to use, only too big. The movement of grace. Secondly, the means of grace. Go back to our text. John MacArthur notes this in his commentary. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that that could be translated by the means of grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you read Reformed theology, which I do and appreciate, the writers of Reformed theology, and certainly going back to the Reformation, love to use a little phrase called the means of grace. You ever read that? what are the means of grace or what is the means of grace? Well, it's the disciplines or the avenues by which God supplies His grace or the environments in which His grace operates. The means of grace could be properly expressed as spiritual disciplines. So Paul is saying to Timothy, the means of your strengthening comes through the grace that Jesus supplies. He's the means of grace and you need to go to him. And as we think about the fact that Jesus is the means of grace, we would have to ask ourselves the question, what are the means of grace? What are the things that the Holy Spirit uses to empower? I come up with three. There are many more, but we'll just quickly go there. Prayer is one of them. 
Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, we're, we're told to go to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer is such an important part of our lives and ought to be. It's the means of grace. It's a spiritual discipline that places us in a place where God can bless and strengthen and empower. Fellowship, being in the company of God's people, speaking into each other's lives, lifting each other up when our arms begin to flag. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. There's another means of grace, prayer and fellowship. Being in the company of edifying, sanctifying Christians who want to see you progress in the Christian life and who are going to speak edifying words to you that will be indeed ministry of grace. Then the last thought is Scripture, the gospel, the truth, the teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what Paul says in Acts 20, verse 32, as he departs from Ephesus, having been there for three years. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Timothy, be empowered. Be strong, son. Jesus is the means of grace, the means of empowerment, Now, what are the means of His grace? The avenues, the things that the Holy Spirit uses, prayer, fellowship, Scripture, among several others. The story is told about A.J. Gordon, founder of Gordon-Conwell Divinity School in Boston. And I was out walking one day across the field, and he happened to notice a farmhouse in the distance and the outline of a man who was feverishly pumping a pump. And from what he could see, water was gushing from the pump. And as he walked along the road with this kind of in front of him in light line form, the guy never let up. And several minutes went by, and the guy was still hard at it. And he thought to himself, wow, you know, this guy's strong. And just out of curiosity, he moved closer to the farmyard. And as he got closer, he noticed that it was not a man at the pump. It was a wooden figure painted in the shape of a man whose arm had a hinged elbow to it that was wired to the pump handle. And the water was pouring out, but not because the figure was pumping it. It was an artesian well, and the water was pumping the man. The man wasn't pumping the water. Mystery solved. Because in some sense, no natural man, no normal man could have pumped at that rate for so long. But as he got up close, he realized, hey, the pump was pumping the man. The man wasn't pumping the pump. And my friend Mark Hitchcock, who tells this story in a sermon in this very passage, says, when you see someone who is truly at work for God and producing results, recognize that it's the artesian well of the grace of God within that's supplying that strength. (laughs) We've looked at the distinction Paul emphasizes you. We've looked at the dependence Paul encourages, be strong. Now I want to look at the development Paul entrusts. The development Paul entrusts to Timothy. And that's the development of a new and next generation of preachers and pastors. Verse 2, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. 
Timothy is to perpetuate the Great Commission, to put it honestly. In some ways, chapter 2 and verse 2 is an aspect of the Great Commission where Jesus said to his apostles to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And when someone comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, command them to do whatever Jesus commanded them to do. You see, guys, it is the nature of Christianity to propagate itself. Christianity can never be silenced or silent and remain true to Christianity. Because by nature, by its genesis and in the light of the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christianity is a faith that is to be propagated and perpetuated. Because Jesus even finishes that statement about the Great Commission with, and I will be with you to the end of the age. What we start here, man, will ripple out across the centuries as you teach men who teach other men who teach other men to remain faithful to the treasure of the gospel. And Paul picks up that theme. Now, it's a pressing priority here, by the way. Let me just step back. Why is this such an urgent commission and call? Because number one, Timothy's going to Paul. Chapter 4, verse 9, we learn that Paul invites Timothy to be diligent to come to him quickly. Now, Paul then is going to leave Ephesus for Rome. There will be a vacuum of leadership. Timothy will not be there. The apostolic delegate will not be there. So there's this urgent need to make sure that there are men there who will step into the breach and fill the gap in the hedge and be faithful like Timothy was faithful and preach the same message that Timothy heard from Paul and they heard from Timothy. That's why this is important. Timothy's going to Paul. Secondly, there's apostasy in Asia. There's a departure from the faith going on, chapter 1 and verse 15. Then you've got Paul's impending death. I mean, he's looking at things from the edge of eternity. He knows he's kept the faith. He knows he's fought the fight. Now, the issue is, will the generation coming up from behind him remain as faithful? Or will you deal with the second generation syndrome you see in the book of Judges? There was a generation that grew up who didn't remember the miracles of the Lord. They weren't as passionate as the first generation. They didn't have to pay the same price as the first generation. They're taking things for granted. They're not as committed as the first generation. And so Paul's worried about that. He wants to know that his impact will continue through Timothy and through others whom Timothy will impact. And many generations later, we still feel the impact of Paul and Timothy. You're listening to Know the Truth in a message from Philip DeCourcy about the importance of godly leadership development. As always, you can download today's message when you visit us online at ktt.org. The series is titled, Without Apology. Now, you've probably already noticed that these messages would make a great small group study. There are so many rich biblical truths shared by Philip that will strengthen your family and your community, giving you new inspiration to carry the gospel to others. Purchase the Without Apology series on CD when you visit ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. Now, did you know that the ministry of Know the Truth is made possible by listeners like you? And today, I'd like to express our deep appreciation for a special group of friends we call Truth Ambassadors. Their regular monthly donations ensure that Know the Truth reaches more people in more cities all across America. They believe in the power of radio and the Internet as a means for sending the gospel across the country and around the world. 
and you can join this team of forward-thinking leaders when you sign up to give online at ktt.org. Or call us at 888-644-8811. In appreciation of your generous support, Philip has picked out a resource to help you anchor your family in Christ for the next 100 years. Raising Up Leaders begins at home, and in his book titled Anchorman, author Steve Farrar shares proven biblical methods for building a legacy of faith for generations to come. Stand fast, keep the faith, and influence future generations when you get your copy of Anchorman. Request the book when you give online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Glad you could be with us. Philip continues our series in 2 Timothy tomorrow. So join us Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Call 800-517-3636 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code WAVA. That's 800-516-3636 or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAVA. 800-517-3636. People say Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.